chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. The word of God for the people of God. So earlier this week, I um, was riding the bus, and I had my headphones in, and this um, feeling of melancholy started to rise up within me. And I thought that that was really interesting because it had been a a great morning. Um, It was Monica's birthday, and we had celebrated and had presents, and there was a lot of joy in the morning. But I noticed this melancholy as I was riding the bus. So I decided to stay with that feeling and to kind of pay attention to it. But my bus had arrived into the Howard Terminal, if you all are familiar with that. And so I needed to get off my one bus and get on the number 22 to head down here to Andersonville. So I was thinking about why I was feeling this way, um, and I was about 10 feet from my, walking at a brisk pace, by the way, because you never know with those buses. (laughs) Uh, And I was about 10 feet from the bus, and it took off. And I was like, ugh! Um, And... And because the bus just took off, if you know the Howard Terminal, it took off and it was going about 20 feet and it was going to stop at a stoplight. So I did what any sane person would do. I decided to run as hard as I could. And I got to the bus store and I waved and the bus driver looked at me and shook his head no. And I was like, ah! So I did what any sane person would do. I decided to run to the next stop, uh, bus stop. If you know that Howard area... I crossed the street and ran toward Clark. And then I realized that where the bus sign was, that doesn't do the number 22. So I had to cross back over Howard and then run down to Birchwood to catch my bus. And thank you to the couple of stoplights that were um, there that the bus had to stop at and to some people getting on the bus that took their time. I made it. (laughs) Out of breath, of course, um, but I made it. And the feelings of grief and melancholy that had been present with me just moments ago had been replaced by self-righteous anger. (laughs) How could that driver? He almost caused caused me to be late from my meeting. Right? It was easy for me to disproportionately get angry over a missed bus than to really spend time with those emotions of melancholy and sadness I confess that situation like this can cause me to feel so much anger, so much anger. And yet I can um, hear the news 
that someone was shot and it just washes over me in callous indifference. I confess that to you. Because, it, see, it's a lot easier to get angry over the small things than it is to get angry and sit in grief over the big things. I'd rather be angry at a bus driver who was doing his job, keeping the buses running on time. I would rather get angry over that bus driver than engage in the self-examination of why I was feeling grief and sorrow and melancholy. But I did sit with those ideas. And I think I was feeling that way, to be honest, because of April's sermon last week. Um, it really hit home. I lived in that neighborhood of less than a block from a block from where she lives now. And I lived, I lived there for six and a half years. And to hear her talk about the gunfire in her neighborhood, that it was so pervasive that she did not feel safe, that really wore on me. And I was actually, so that was Sunday, and on Monday, this happened on Tuesday, but on Monday, I was in that neighborhood. We still own that condo. And I was in the condo fixing something for my tenant, and she had on the news, and there was a report after report of people being shot. And so that was sitting with me, um, sitting with me deeply and, and bubbled up when I took the time to listen, maybe because I had music on. There is so much grief in this city, is there not? There is so much longing that we find. It's Part of it's the time of year, right? These short nights, and, or no, other way around. These short days and these long nights, they can we can start to feel that sorrow and that grief and the depression that comes from that. Um, and so we don't only long for more sunlight, but we long for the shadows of injustice to be brought into light, right? That's what, this is actually what Advent is for. We are awaiting the coming of a king, the coming of um, Jesus's empire, a new reign, and yet we are sitting in this time of sorrow and grief and violence. This, this time, uh, secular culture tells us it's the most wonderful time of the year. But we as Christians know it is the time of grief and sorrow and longing as we prepare for the most wonderful time of the year. So what are you longing for in this Advent season? What are you waiting for? Perhaps um, you're drowning in debt and you're waiting for a job or a way out. Perhaps like April, you live in a neighborhood riddled with gun violence and you're longing for safe streets in the city. Perhaps you're in the middle of a diagnosis for yourself or a friend and you're waiting to be cancer-free. Perhaps the color of your skin makes you a target by police, more suspicious, and you're waiting for a day when that will not be the case. You're waiting for justice for Laquan McDonald. Perhaps you're lonely and waiting and desiring friendship and community 
there is so much to long for in this broken world. There is so much grief in this broken world. And I don't think it's a sign of the times. Like, I don't think, oh, back in the good old days, life was so good, but this world is just turning to hell. I actually think the world's getting better. I think, you know, we talk about the arc of the moral universe bending toward justice. I think the world is getting better. 1950 wasn't great. I think the brokenness of this world and engaging in it and living in it is what it means to be human. Welcome to the world. It is a beautiful and terrible place. So what do we do with that? How do we live in this world? I think Mary shows us the way. Mary from scripture. Um, This scripture that we heard today, it's called the Magnificat, because in, in Latin, that is the first word, the Magnificat. First word of the text. Mary sings of a song, a song of triumph and hope and joy and possibility. She sings of God's restoration work for this crumbling, violent city. It is a song that is proclaiming this imagined future where God gets everything God wants. I call that Jesus' empire. Jesus called it the kingdom of God. Last sermon series, we called it God's economy. A world where there are no poor. A world where the rich are humbled. A world where the hungry's bellies are filled. And the thing about this song of praise that is so interesting is, I don't know if you noticed, but she sings it, it's a future song that she sings as if it's already happened. So Mary sits in this marvelous tension of it has already happened, right? Jesus' empire is here. We see it breaking in everywhere. And yet it hasn't, because look at this world that we live in. She, she sings of a future as if it's in the past. I love that tension, because that's how we live, right? We live in that tension. This song is such a powerful way to communicate and to proclaim this imagined future of God's justice. And so throughout scripture, we see songs like this. We see the promise of God. I'm going to just throw out a couple. And, um, you know, as you're reading scripture in your daily devotion lives, I'm sure you'll see others too. But uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah, who is barren and becomes pregnant, sings a song, and she says, The Lord raises up the poor from the dust, lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. Sounds like Mary's song, doesn't it? In uh, Psalm 146, we hear that the Lord executes justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free. These songs of justice, they have been sung from generation to generation to generation. Hannah, and a thousand years later, Mary, and thousands of years later, us, we're still singing the song of Jesus' empire, of a new way. Sometimes these songs that we sing, um, we sing in church, 
like last week we sang, and God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy. You guys not know this? Compassion and peace. And sometimes the songs that we sing of God's justice are found in hip-hop or rap. Have any of you had the opportunity to watch the new, Empire, the new show on Fox called Empire? One person? <laughs> yeah, a couple of people. Um, would you mind bringing up the um, thing? So we are, oh, not that yet, the, the um, sermon series thing. We are in this sermon series um, called Another Way in a Manger, and we're talking about Jesus and justice, right? And each week we're looking at pop culture, and this week we're looking at the show Empire. So Lucius is the guy on the left, on the back left, and um, Cookie is um, the woman on the, in Mary's place, rightly so. And... Uh, I want to talk about a song of justice that they sing. Empire, I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts because I think it might be actually like, well, maybe a little tiny, but not enough. It's in the first episode, so that's, that's nothing, right? you got to watch this. The episodes are free. The, the first the season premiere is free on Amazon, so get your little taste. Empire is a story of a family, the Lion family. And Lucius, um, the dad, and Cookie, the mom, uh, it, it begins years ago when he is a hip-hop artist trying to make it big. And the story is actually set in present time when he is the founder and CEO of this um, million-dollar company called Empire Records. That company, though, was founded with drug money, um, about $400,000 that... Um, Cookie ended up in jail for. So she spent about 17 years in prison for this drug deal that was gone bad, and, and secretly nobody knows that this drug money was what created this Empire Records. So that meant that she spent all of the formative years away from her three sons, which is Andre, Hakim, and Jamal. And uh, Hakim and Jamal are both hip-hop artists as well. They're adults. I want to talk about Jamal. Jamal is super talented, but he uh, is gay. And he is feeling no love from many places. First, his dad um, is very much against him for being gay. There's this awful scene in the first episode that shows um, Jamal walking around in his mom's high heels and his dad taking him, he's five years old, and throwing him in the trash out in the back, telling him he's trash for being same gender loving. And then there's the hip hop artist community, and he's scared that if he comes out, he'll never have a career. Cookie gets out of jail and sees in Jamal the potential to be big, to be really big. She sees in him, like Mary sees in the world God has cast, 
a vision for something beautiful beyond the current systems of oppression that are holding him back. So the clip that we're going to play in just a minute, um, I want to give you a little bit more backstory. Mary, uh, not Mary, Cookie. It's close. They're they're close. Cookie is arranging for a PR event for Jamal to come out publicly in the community. And she thinks it's going to be a big hit and then it's, you know, going to launch his career. Lucius finds out about this and um, tells Jamal that if he comes out, he will be cut off from the family financially, emotionally. And so Jamal backs out at the last minute, leaving Cookie hanging. So you'll see her sort of waiting for this press conference. At the same at the same time, the scene you're about to see, Lucius is being interviewed because um, there's been some violence in the community and they're blaming it on uh, the rap lyrics, the, the song from Empire Records. So as you watch this interview, you're also going to see Jamal singing a song called Tell the Truth. going to go watch it now. <laughs> this is a fictional show, but like all good fiction, it is firmly rooted in the realities of our time. The 
time of violence, the time of homophobia. Do you see the intersections to all these, y'all? They speak to a broader world, a broader world that reminds us that Jesus' empire continues to be one that we desperately need. So we sing with Mary, right? We sing with Mary of a world where Jamal's song, where the songs that Lucius uh, describes are no longer needed to help us cope, to help us get through the pain and brokenness of today. Because I don't know if you guys have looked around, but this world is broken. April's sermon last week, I told you, it's just been sitting with me all week. And I think about my friend, Father Larry, we do justice work together. And he, um, he serves in uh, Lawndale at St. Agatha. And I remember uh, the conversation one time was, was why, why do we do this justice work? And he said, I do this justice work because I'm tired of getting wake, woken up in the night because one of my parishioners has been shot. I do this work because I'm tired of doing funerals for children. And I don't know how... First of all, I hear that story of Father Larry, and I think, wow, I don't even know. I'm overwhelmed by what I see on the news, and I'm not even living in it. But I don't know how you can hear a story like that and not long, long for the empire that Jesus spoke about. i got to be honest with you, though. This scripture, it's supposed to be good news for all of us. Uh, but when I read it and then I think about myself, it says that the... the um, that the hungry will be filled and the lowly brought down and the poor. And I, guys, I have a full belly right now. So I'm not hungry. And my income, I'm not rich, but I'm not poor. I'm not on food stamps. And so this good news of the world getting turned upside down, sometimes in our like comfort, in our bubble, we can feel like, oh, shit. Where am I in this? Should I be singing, a, is, is this joyful news for me? But I think it is joyful when we join in Mary's song, when we do the work of service and justice, because then Mary's song is our song, and then the violence that pervades the city we are connected to and affected by because we are all sisters and brothers in Christ. So I think, what does this look like practically? You know, I've been talking about it all up in here. What does this look like on the ground? I think it means that we have to have our feet firmly rooted in service and in justice. So service, holy cow, yesterday we had this great experience at um, Sarah's circle. When I say we, I got there super late. I'm going to admit that. I had another engagement. But serving between 40 and 60 women 
who are living in a shelter, sitting in community with them. And next week, next Sunday, next Saturday, we'll be out in the Bridge Project, uh, meeting people without homes who are not even in shelters but living under bridges, building community. And next Sunday night, we'll be at the crib serving um, queer homeless youth. Three opportunities for service in, in this church. And it means planting a foot into justice work. Justice work, I gotta tell you guys, it is slow, sometimes painstakingly slow, and I'm like, what are we doing, and is this really mattering? But it is good Jesus empire building work. And sometimes that work, it seems boring, it's like, you know, you meet with a, a elected official, and, and you, you know, and it, it takes forever to set up, and it, you know, and then it's done. And sometimes it feels a little bit more combative. Um, you know, the, the CRS protest on Tuesday, um, people say, why does it have to be so combative? Because have you seen our city, people? We need to stay woke. We need to wake up to what's happening. And so sometimes it takes, we have to wake up, right? I want to, so we are in the season of Advent, season of preparation for Jesus coming. And so I want to invite you literally to prepare, get out your calendars. I know you keep them on your phone, so don't pretend like you have a paper calendar you left at home. Get out your calendars. And I want you to mark down two things. Uh, MLK weekend. That Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, Alan is going to be leading a service trip to Detroit. There's violence there, too, by the way. There's hunger, too, there. Not everybody's going to be able to go to a big mission trip like this, but it's going to be like a two- or three-day mission. So block it off. See, Advent is about preparation, right? You can't just, things don't just happen. You've got to plan and mark it out. So a mission trip to Detroit. Now, not everybody's going to be able to take off work. I got good news. I got another great event. That Monday is going to be, do we know where it is yet? It's going to be at First Baptist Church on the west side. Over a thousand people are going to gather uh, for MLK Day celebration and action. We're going to talk about police brutality. We're going to talk about violence in our cities and ways that we can change it. There's going to be a public officials. It is going to be a song of joy like Mary's song and hard work of pushing. So one of those things, carve out, prepare for it. That's what Advent's about, preparing, right? It's on your calendar? You didn't just pretend to put it in there? Because I'll tell you what, um, would you mind putting up the the last slide there, Debbie. We do live in a bit of a bubble on the north side here. This is a chart of gun injuries, of, of gun violence in the last year. We do have some stuff. Like, I'm... Uh, 
and it's scary. Look, you can see Reg you can see Uptown, you can see Rogers Park. And the fear that April talked about last week. And now look to the rest of the map. Last year for the entire for the entire year, all the way through December 31st, there were 2,500 and 87 victims of gun violence in the city. I didn't even do the math, but that's like a whole lot every day. This year, as of December 6th, we're at 2,777 people. So more than last year. What do you do with that? get angry at your bus drivers for pulling away. Be angry at the little things instead of the big things. I believe the only antidote to our grief, to our anger, the only way to keep our bus drivers from us yelling at them is to work in, to be planted in service and justice stand up like Mary and sing a song of an imagined future where God gets everything God wants, where people thrive, where there's restoration for all and freedom for all and justice for all, where salvation is not just what happens when we go to heaven, but what our life looks like here and now. And this is what Jesus came to do. This is, this is why we talk about Jesus as the new creation, right? Making all things new. Making all things right. Making this chart empty. So what song are you singing? I want to sing Mary's song. Will you join? I want to live in a city. I want to see a world where there is peace on earth. And I can see this world where Jesus has broken in and set everything right. Made everything new. I can see a world where the empty are filled with a banquet feast. I can see a city where our guns are melted down into public pieces of art. I can see city and a world where Christ is the king, where Jesus' empire rules. Can you see it? It's already happened. Let's sing Mary's song together. Let's sing Cookie's song together. Let's sing and cry out.